this is Kenya, and welcome to my magical cottage for life. So today we're going to talk about a wild, <clears throat> forageable plant. And for some of you, it'll be the first time you've thought about using it. For others who are used to foraging, not so much. It grows in Michigan. It's fuzzy. It's fun. You've probably played with it as a child. You usually find it in agricultural areas, but it has invaded the different prairies in Detroit itself. I'm talking about wild foxtail millet, the big kind. Not the foxtail grass, that's the short one. The bigger one. It's really fuzzy, it's really fun. So take out your big book of stuff. And today, we're going to talk about foxtail millet. And once you get this knowledge under your, your belt... You'll feel very, very clever. One might even say, Foxy. No? No? Okay, I tried. Anyway, so get out your book of stuff, and we're going to go wandering into the prairie lands. Uh, Where are we right now? We're in Trenton. So I'll check the grass out here, because I see wild mustard everywhere. Um, And we're going to do an episode on mustard butter, too. So watch for that. But today... We are going to talk about foxtail millet. So, let's get started. Now, some of you may not know what millet is, and there's nothing wrong with that, but it is something to talk about. Millet is a grain. It's actually an ancient grain. And yes, it does come from a grass. It's Okay, it's a grain, it's a grass. Wait, you're both right. Okay. And it's those tiny little seeds on the top of the plant that we eat. You may already eat millet. You may eat them uh, as far as if you eat Indian food, you know, or, or uh, South Asian food. You may eat millet. If you eat food from East Asia, you may eat millet. If you eat alternative grains here and alternative grasses here, or if you forage, you may already have eaten millet. But there are some other places you've probably run across millet that you probably haven't thought of. And let's not say probably anymore. It's becoming a thing now. We're not going to say probably anymore. One of the places you may have seen millet and been unaware of it is at your local pet supply. Why would it be there? Because birds often eat millet mixed into those wild bird seed mixes or they are intentionally mixed in to certain kinds of diets for certain bird owners or as I like to call them bird companions and you'll find them there You will also find them at a farm supply store. Why there? Because foraging isn't just for human people, not just for two-leggeds. It's for four-leggeds too. And farmers sometimes use a mix of different kinds of plants for their animals to forage, for them to survive. Especially if there's a weather event that wipes out parts of their field that they've already planted. So in that case, growing a millet is a quicker way 
to get some nutrients into that field and into those animals so that they can be better and be, you know, satisfied and not go hungry. It's not always just about hay, although millet is one of those grasses that can make hay and straw. We we use the word hay loosely here, but yeah, it's definitely something that they can eat. And thinking back far away, if they can eat it, a lot of times we can eat it. So there's something to keep in mind. But yeah, you've definitely seen it. You just may not have known it. Another place you've probably seen it is when you were young and you were walking around in a grassy field or in your lawn if it hasn't been cut in a while. And you might mistake it for crabgrass at first, but it's really not. Once those long stems that are thin and they have those fuzzy little tails on the top that look like foxtails come up, you know that you've got millet. Now the really small ones, the short ones that stay all green, those are just the green millet. Those are green grass millet. But there's big ones and those are the foxtail. And what we have in the fields here are wild foxtail millet, which means unlike the cultivated foxtail millet, the seeds don't get as large and they're not as uniform. So, you know, it's a little bit different. It's not like going to the store and, you know, going to the grocer and buying millet that's not going to be uniform and it's going to be already washed and whatnot. No, this is millet that you find outside. So when you find it, the first thing to do is make sure you're identifying it properly. And to wait, the way to do that is to take a field guide, a book, a naturopath, a naturalist, an herbalist, someone who knows what they're looking at. You can also use some of the apps on your phone and on your tablet. But again, books with pictures are some of the best ways to identify what you're looking at in you know the wild. So make sure you have a, a hardcover as well. It's very easy for people in plant identification groups on social media to misidentify a plant. And you don't want to shove things in your mouth and you're not sure what they are. But once you've identified that large wild fox, uh, that fox millet, that big one, now you're halfway there to foraging. So you're going to take that and wait till it gets late in the season to when it's casting seed. And those seeds are what you're going to eat. But before you eat them, there's some things you need to do. And the first thing you need to do is soak them. So let's talk about soaking millet, wild and tame, or domesticated, but I like tame better. reasons you wash and soak millet number one you don't want to get anything this super dirty in your mouth and I also want to address something for people who eat rice who eat grits who eat any kind of grain like wheat when they mill the grain and wheat and all the other things you need to understand there's a certain amount of dirt that's left in there it, it is what it is we are of the earth and the earth is going to be in almost everything we eat it's kind of coming with the territory. One of the ways we kind of help us with contaminants to help our, ourselves with like little legs or whatever else from the insects is to rinse our food. It's, it's kind of a thing. But with millet, it's important to soak those seeds also. 
The reason we soak the seeds is so we don't get intestinal issues. And there's a lot of information about how the nutrients break down, how it affects our weight, how it affects our, affects our thyroid. And I'll leave that to you to look up those extra facts because we don't have enough time here. It's not that kind of podcast. And I am not a doctor. I do not pretend to be a doctor, nor do I pretend to portray myself as a licensed herbalist or naturopath. So I always recommend that you go out and study for yourself and ask people who are studied and who are learned in these areas, okay? And eventually you will also become that way too. But until then, definitely phone a friend, right? Okay, so once you soak them, you soak them for anywhere from six to eight hours. And once that's done, you pour off the water and then you can get started. Now, what you can do is grind them up and you can use it to cook that way or you can just dry it out and use it that way. But I will tell you, I don't always soak my millet. not always soak my millet. I'm not going to lie to you. I refuse to. I think we have a good relationship, you and I. We're friends, and friends try not to lie to each other or mislead each other, right? So let's be honest. When I get my millet, I might give it a quick rinse at most. But what I usually do after I rinse it off and let it dry, I toast my millet. You heard me right. I like to toast my millet, whether dry, in which case I won't rinse it again, or in oil, just a little tiny bit, just to make sure it doesn't stick. I toast it before I add it to my food. One of the things I like to do is I like to put millet in my soups. Now, it's one of those weird things that when people find it in soup, they're really not sure what it is. If you want to um, make your friends puzzled about what's in your soup, you can add millet and you can add okra seeds because they can never identify what those things are. And it's so much fun. Okay, I take it back. If they've had them before, they can identify them. But if they haven't, you put those in and it's really good. And it's one of those nutrient bombs that makes the soup not only more wholesome and not only more nourishing, but it also is fun because you can watch their faces try to identify it. Sometimes they'll actually tilt their heads to the side, kind of like you see a Labrador tilting their head to the side when they're trying to identify something. Or like my daughter's dog, who is <clears throat> part Basset Hound, part Pitbull, and a little bit Chihuahua. Yes, he looks entirely ridiculous. I may put him into the Shire. I'm not sure. I, I, I'm debating on putting his picture. But he's absolutely gorgeous. But he tilts his head to the side a lot when he's curious about something. So if you want to have fun, you can do that. But definitely you can toast your millet. You can actually toast it and crack it or break it down, like grind it, and add it to other kinds of things that you would use to make a spread on your food as well. But we'll talk about that in another episode. But first, let's talk about something you can do now. So one thing you can do without getting into all this uh, extra kind of preparations in your kitchen, we talked about foraging. So if you find some large foxtail millet, some wild millet, my recommendation, gather those seeds, dust them off, you know, kind of roll them around between some paper 
or some cloth to kind of get them clean. Make sure you're in an area that doesn't have a lot of industrial waste or is not close to the roadway so that you know it's pretty safe to eat. And you can mix it with granola, with fruit like dried cherries or nuts or not so dried fruits as well. And you can mix those things all together and you can use maple syrup or honey or both or maple cream or something else sticky and put it all together and put it in your kit. You can add chocolate chips if you want. It's up to you. But as long as it's something that you can snack on on the trail, you've helped make yourself just that more connected to the ecosystem and to the world around you. Also, knowing where things come from is one of the ways that we reclaim the knowledge that's fast disappearing. I used to talk about that in our nature teachings uh, on my other platforms, and I may transfer those nature teachings to here. But one of the things we want to do is make sure that the old knowledge is not lost. You know, I even talked about that. I'm out here right now on the water, and I'm thinking to myself, I don't hear any piping plovers. And that's a sound I grew up with. And no one's here in this age group. Most of them are under 20. They don't know what piping plovers sound like. You might want to look up their call. But that used to be everywhere when I was young just like certain kinds of plants and now they're disappearing so you could be part of the move to re-establish why these things are important and why they're worth saving you can also use other kinds of millet that you can buy in the store to make cereal like an alternative to oatmeal or an alternative to rice. When I say cereal, I don't just mean in the mornings. It's not just for you, for you know your breakfast table. You can eat it at any time. Treat it like a little treat. And because of the way that it's created by you know the creator, it's a little bit different when you're eating it versus rice, because you don't eat the same way. You don't eat as much. I can't explain it. You'll have to experiment. But because of that, you're less likely to overeat millet than you are rice. Now, I don't see a huge takeout industry coming around with stir-fried or shrimp-fried millet. But who knows what could happen? You never know. But it's good to think about these ways that we can incorporate ancient things into our modern world. And another thing you can do is make it with bread. You can find millet bread recipes all over the place. They even have it on allrecipes.com. Another thing I would like to recommend is instead of uh, buying an everything bagel seasoning, make your own. Dry your own leeks, dry your own chives, grab yourself some millet in there, a little bit of cracked pepper, Uh, You know, make your own kind of seasoning. Some sesame seeds or toasted sesame seeds. It's really up to you. A little salt. You can really make it beautiful. And you can even use the flowers off certain things like wild mustards. Just keep in mind when you do these things, make sure you get them from a safe area and be responsible. Never take more than 25% of what may be growing in the wild. You always want it to be able to reestablish itself and enjoy. Life is to be enjoyed. And part of the whole cottage core thing, as well as the life thing, is to be able to go out there and enjoy some of the abundance that has been provided for us. So be responsible, 
be mindful, be happy, be free. I guess the last part of this episode is that you can also use millet as beads. You know, sometimes you have beads that you string and sometimes you have beads that beads that you use in craft. So I'm not going to tell you to try to string millet seeds. You can. I've seen it. I'm not that. My fingers don't work the same way anymore. Um, I'm not really super young anymore, so I can't do it as well. But you can slowly drill through a millet seed that has been dampened with a needle and you can string millet seeds to make your own seed beads, to make your own necklaces. You can bead your own bag with millet seeds. How cool would that be? I mean, how awesome! Millet seeds and dried flowers uh, all across the sides of a bag or a purse and then you just cover the whole thing with maybe a nice a layer of beeswax, you're going to town there. That could be your wild herb bag. Or you could do the same thing with your basket and have a cloth handle for your basket and sew millet seeds along the braided cloth handle. It makes it easier to carry as well when the basket handle's not as stiff. We're going to talk about baskets and basket modifications in another episode. But I just wanted to share that. I love to share things with my friends and We're friends, right? So, I will see you next time here on my Magical Cottage Core Life, and I hope to see you on my Facebook page so you can give me feedback on what you'd like me to cover next time. Take care of yourself, and take care of nature, and nature will take care of you. Goodbye.